The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. Imagine growing a business with high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, and wildly happy customers. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another exciting episode of Negotiate Anything. This show is produced by the American Negotiation Institute, and with over 5 million downloads and listeners in over 180 countries, listeners just like you have made this the number one negotiation podcast in the world. Hi, my name is Kwame Christian, and I am the founder and CEO of the American Negotiation Institute. Here at ANI, we believe that the best things in life are on the other side of difficult conversations, and we are passionate about providing you with the best content that will help you to make your difficult conversations easier, both at work and at home. Lastly, I want to remind you that we offer consulting and conduct trainings, both virtually and in person, all around the world. Our focus is in three main areas. First, negotiation and conflict resolution. Second, leadership. And lastly, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Check the link in the description below to learn more about how we could work with you and your team. Our head of sales and partnerships, Shane Martin, is hosting this episode, and I know you are going to love it. So without further ado, let's jump into the interview. Bob Berg. Bob, we appreciate you joining us. And thank you so much to our listeners for tuning into the American Negotiation Institute podcast, Negotiate Anything. The purpose of today is to provide you actionable insights, tips, and generally just takeaways for you to become a more successful negotiator and entrepreneur. And I know that Bob is going to deliver an immense amount of value. So I encourage you to listen to the whole show. And Sneak Peek, Bob is going to share how you can be more influential in your conversations. And it might not be what you think it is. So Bob, without further ado, Mr. Berg, please introduce yourself and briefly share what experience you have in negotiations as a sales leader and also an author. Yeah. And it's great to be with you. Congratulations on all your magnificent success. That is just so fantastic. I know you're doing wonderful work out there. Uh, my experience really when it comes to negotiation in terms of sales is that sales is negotiation. When we look at negotiation, uh, the way I know you teach it and the way that it, I think it should be looked at, and that is a way of benefiting everyone involved. Because when you think about it, selling is nothing more than discovering what the other person wants, needs, and desires and helping them to get it. In a good negotiation, what are you really doing? You're discovering what that other person needs, wants, and desires and helping them to get it. And of course, uh, it's not an either or. Everyone should benefit within that negotiation. Absolutely. In some negotiations, people, everyone benefits. In some negotiations, it seems like people might not. And so in today's world where that happens and where sometimes there's cutthroat business practices or, or even scandals, you know, you may that you may say that um, someone can, or you, you typically say in your trainings and in your books that someone can give their way to success. So deeply to you in your, in your heart of hearts, what does living like a go-giver lifestyle mean and what does it look like and why should why should listeners adopt the go-giver lifestyle into their lives what a what a great question so let's look at what we really mean by that when, when, uh, you know the basic premise of when we talk about the go-giver is simply means that shifting your focus and this is really where it all begins shifting your focus from getting to giving now when we say giving in this context we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense 
value to others. Understanding that doing so is not only a, a, a nicer, more pleasant way of conducting business, it's the most financially profitable way as well. And not for some uh, way out, woo-woo, magical, mystical reasons. It actually makes very logical sense. Uh, it makes very uh, rational sense. When you're that person, Shane, who can take your focus off yourself and place it on helping others, uh, helping people, again, get what they want, uh, help solve their problems and challenges, help bring them closer to happiness. Well, people feel good about you. People want to get to know you. They like you. They trust you. They want to be in relationship with you. They want to see you succeed. When this is, is part of your entire negotiation premise, well, what are you doing? You're looking for ways to help that person accomplish their goals. Help them accomplish their goals. They're much more likely to help you accomplish yours. And again, not be, just because they're a nice person. They may not be. Okay, but it's because they want what's best for them. And when you help them get what's best for them, and it also happens to be best for you, that's when a great result occurs. Absolutely. That's great, Bob. So you're saying that essentially providing them value, regardless of what their negative intentions may or may not be, you're still, because you know who you are, you know what philosophy you're adopting, what, how you're approaching conversations, you're still going to give. Well, but let me, and let me just say one thing. Let me just clarify that again. There, and this is so important. There's nothing self-sacrificial about that. There's nothing martyrish about it. You know, you're not taking a hit because that's just who you are. No, it's it's what I always said. You know, say when I when I speak at sales conferences, right? That you know nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet, right? No one's going to buy from you because you need the money. Uh, or even because you're a nice person. And nobody in a negotiation is going to give you what you want just because you're a nice person or because you want them to. It's going to be because they understand it's in their best interest to. And that's why it's key. And that's why what you teach is so important because it's not a matter of the other person having to be a certain way. It's a matter of you, the negotiator, or a certain way if you're creating the frame from which you're operating, okay, or even able to re, uh, to reset an already negative confrontational frame this person brings, it's going to result in a win for both of you. Absolutely. And I think in order to create that win for both of you, you have to know, as you mentioned, the needs, the wants, the desires, the priorities of how you can help them, of what they ultimately want. So Practically, what questions do you ask in a sales meetings that you've seen have just the biggest impact on really finding the true needs of whoever you're negotiating with? Well, I think that depends on the on the person you're negotiating with, and that's why research is, you know, as you know, is such an important part of the uh, the negotiation. Um, uh, you know, we, we, we learn from great negotiators throughout history, uh, including Sun Tzu, who wrote The Art of War, right? That, you know, to know yourself and to know now, as he would say, the enemy, but we don't want to frame it that way, of course, but to the other party, let's say, okay? And to know both. And when you know both, um, now you're in very much a position of strength. Uh, you know, as he said, the greatest victory is sub is to be able to subdue the enemy without any bloodshed, you know, without ever having fought. Now, again, it, that's the language of someone in war. 
Okay. We want to take this as though we're helping that other person as well as our, ourselves. But we do want to say that when we can create a frame with another person where we're helping this person see how it's in their best interest to do those things and work in a way that's going to be best for everyone. Now we're able to create a win-win without having to remedy a, a bunch of challenges because we know in advance, we know what we need. We know what we want and what we desire. But again, to them, that doesn't matter. That matters only to us. So when we're able to do our research and know everything we can know about this person, about the company, about the culture, about their desires, about their, well, their strengths, their weaknesses, their opportunities, their threat, and all those, now we can base our questions on those, right? So the questions we ask will be dependent upon the, the situation itself. Um, Obviously, and I know you do a lot of volunteer work with, with suicide prevention, okay? And you probably have some questions that you know you need to ask because everyone practically, I mean, everyone's an individual, but in that situation, there are certain feelings they have that you know you've got to be able to get to the root of, to the heart of, okay? And if you are negotiating with a certain type of industry or client or whatever, well, you do know what questions pretty much and yet it goes deeper because we also have to know they're individuals and that we're going to have to really get to the root of what they are feeling and what they are needing. Absolutely. So I think what you're, what I'm hearing you say is that the preparation ultimately leads you to really understanding which questions are going to be most helpful. Exactly. So I, th I think what also is important in what we teach at A&I and what should be taught everywhere is that most of the negotiation is done actually even before it begins. It, it's done in the preparation that you're talking about that, that allows you to ultimately perform your best and to, and to unlock value for not only yourself, but also in this case, the person who you're communicating with. And you're absolutely right about the suicide hotline. The volunteer work is only four hours each week, but the 24 hours leading up to that four hours is so important of like how you're taking care of yourself, how you're mentally preparing to go into the room and answer those really difficult calls. And the oh. questions can range from a variety of different ways, but I know that there are um, specific ones like at the hotline that really focus on narrowing in on what the real challenge or the real problem someone is facing. And just like in sales, once you know those challenges, then you can ultimately address it with exactly. a solution thoughtfully. So I'm just curious if there have been any negotiations where you've prepared really well, you've asked great questions, but they just haven't worked out well or gone the way that you went. What happens in a negotiation maybe that didn't go the way you expected in your very, very successful career. Well, you know, it's, it's been a, a, a long career. So there's gotta be times. And I, I know there have been times when, you know, when negotiation didn't go as I wanted it to go. And it's easy to, you know, blame the other person for being unreasonable or irrational. And, and maybe there's truth to it. Maybe it's not. Or, or maybe it was that I did, wasn't as prepared as I should have been. Maybe I let my emotions get the best of me and reacted as opposed to responded and, you know, didn't create a situation in order to reframe in such a way that that person was going to be more receptive. 
So I, you know, I would say that in a, you know, in an over 30 year career, um, you know, I've certainly made my share of mistakes and, and, you know, not, not everything does go as we, as we wanted. And I think I, as we want, I think that's part of it, it, it too. You know, there's a, a woman by the name of Annie Duke, who she's a professional, uh, she was a professional poker player. She was on the, uh, you know, in Las Vegas on the TV. It's bad. I think she was a national champion and so forth. And she wrote a couple of books um, on basically on decision making. One was called Thinking in Bets and her latest one was How to Decide. And and I love the premise that basically you can, uh, your job is always to be as prepared as you can to make the best decisions possible based on the facts that you're able to attain. Yet, even when you do that, you don't necessarily know you're going to get the results that you want. You can increase the odds of getting the, the results that you want, but there's never any guarantee. All you can do is the best you can. And so I, I think, you know, to be, as you were talking about earlier, to do all that preparation and to go into it, knowing that you've done your best to be prepared for the situation in advance, you know, you also don't want to be attached to the result. As you know, as a, as a negotiator, if you're too attached to the result, that's a position of weakness right there, as opposed to a position of strength. So, so we need to just know that we did the best we can. And if we do make those occasional mistakes or it just didn't work out because sometimes it doesn't, then we let it go and we move on to the next one. Does your company invest in professional development training? If you believe that your team would benefit from a negotiation workshop, all you need to do is go to our website, fill out the workshop request form, and then we'll set up a time to chat. These workshops are completely customizable and we've done them all around the country. Negotiation and conflict resolution skills are beneficial across all professions, but they're especially useful in procurement, purchasing, sales, sourcing, and contract management. Our calendar is filling up quickly and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. And now, back to the show. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and so many tools to keep track of. Doing business can be hard, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. Higher quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. I think that there's a lot of power in what you just said about letting things go. It reminds me of in baseball, some of the best baseball players in the history of the game fail seven out of 10 times, yet they are right. still the best. It's, it's unbelievable. And so part of that failure uh, over the last few years in sales and also negotiating all over the world, 
the phrase that you wrote as the most powerful phrase that is persuasive in your book, The Art of Persuasion, I have used many times and it has failed many times, but it also has been very successful. Uh, do you remember what the phrase is or, or should oh, I say? Oh, sure. If you can't do it, I'll definitely understand. And what happens is that phrase, what I call the eight magic word, it's not magic, but it's, it feels like it is. It is kind uh, of magical. <laughs> and what happens is it's after it's set up correctly. So it's not that, you know, someone has something that you want them to do that they don't necessarily want to do. You don't, it's not like you go in and just say, hey, if you can't do it, I'll definitely, right? But if you start out by being polite, by being patient, by being gracious, by, you know, being a, being a good person, being a decent person, right? And so immediately you've established a frame or again, reset a frame if, if the person came in with a, with, with a, a non-productive, a counterproductive frame. And so you've set it up now so that you are somebody they, you know, they want to deal with that They, you know, they begin to know, like, and trust, right? Just right from the, right from the very beginning. Okay. And then also when you can help them to start to live in the solution, to find a solution, especially if you're dealing with maybe a bureaucrat or, or someone who they're used to doing things a certain way and they're not really likely to bend. And, and if you can help them kind of live in the solution and, and have that kind of then, okay, at that point when you can say, uh, if you can't do it, I'll definitely understand. And you can stop there and often that's, that's enough. But if you feel you need to, you can pause a few moments and say, if you could, I'd certainly appreciate it. And, you, you know, and again, that's pretty much right there, all you need. But if you have to, you can then say, of course, you know, don't, don't get yourself in any trouble over it. Boom. What you're doing here is you're, you're first of all, letting this person know that, that they are more important than the outcome. When you say, if you can't do it, I'll definitely understand, right? And you just say, you know, if I, uh, don't get yourself in any hot water over it or any trouble over it. You're letting them know, you know, yeah, I believe you can do it. I think you can do it. I have confidence and faith you can do it. But if you can't, it's okay. You're still, you're more important than the result. But you're also giving them, and this is, I think, so key in any negotiation, you're giving them the out or back door. Um, this is really, it's an emotional escape hatch. As you know, people want to be in control of their decisions. They want autonomy. They don't want to feel pressured. And so when you give someone the, uh, you know, my, what I call Bird's law of the out or back door is the bigger the out or back door you give someone to take, the less they'll feel the need to take it. So you're not giving them the out or back door so that they will take it. Although if they feel they have to, they, they, they certainly will, but not usually. Uh, typically the bigger, the outer back door, you, you know, the less those, so you're not, you're not doing it for them to take it. You're doing it so that they feel comfortable enough with you and with the situation that they don't feel the need to take it. Okay. So when you say, if you can't do it, I'll definitely understand. Wow. You've just beautifully taken the pressure off them and they, they, they want to come through for you. If you can, then, you know, of course, then you add the other two phrases and it's, you know, boom. Wow. There you have it. It's fantastic. And I love when you said it, you smiled. I could feel that it was genuine and, <laughs> and it's got to be genuine. Yeah. It has to be genuine. Exactly. Exactly. And I think uh, what you're talking about is addressing <gasps> autonomy, but also you're appreciating them. And that's yeah. when walls come down. And 
quite frankly, there have been so many studies on successful marriages and also marriages that just haven't worked. And they have boiled it down to, according to Harvard, they say that one of the reasons or one of the greatest predictors of marriage success is appreciation. And it's interesting how directly correlated this phrase is of being persuasive, but also thoughtful. But first, you have to show appreciation, I think, is what you're saying. Yeah, you know, it, it's so interesting. And, and, and again, let, let's go back to even setting a frame, okay? And a, a frame is, is what? It's the foundation from which everything else occurs, uh, I think of one of my favorite frame stories. I was in a, a Dunkin' Donuts store and there was a little boy, a little toddler, about two, two and a half years old, whatever. He was walking around the restaurant and his parents called him over to the table. He starts to walk over. He takes a spill on the floor. He falls. He didn't hurt himself, but you could tell that he was um, shocked. That was not in his realm of experience. So what's the first thing he did? He looked over at his mom and dad to get their interpretation of the event. What happened happened. He wanted to know, okay, is this a good thing or, or a bad thing? What happens next? Uh, Shane, I got to tell you, and I, I was just watching the situation I truly believe that had the mom and dad gotten upset and panicky and, oh, no, you know, my poor baby, are you okay? He'd have started to cry, but they handled it so beautifully. They walked over quickly, of course, but very calmly, very serenely. They smiled at him. They, you know, began to applaud and they laughed and they said, oh, that looks like so much fun. What a good trick. And immediately the little boy began to laugh. Okay, what the parents did is they set a productive frame from which he could operate. Okay, now let's say you're about to go into that office of the city hall bureaucrat who's known to be uh, not helpful. Okay, now we always say um, projecting how others will respond to you works, but not because you're changing them but because you're changing you and that's what changes them. So if you go in with, let's go back to what you said, a sense of gratitude, a sense of gratitude for the work they do, for how friendly and helpful they're going to be for their knowledge for that. Right. You go in there with a sense of gratitude. What do you do? You're smiling. You have an air of friendliness about you. You talk to them with appreciation. Right. And when, remember when you appreciate, okay, the other person appreciates, they go up. Right. And so, so you go in there feeling that way. Well, it's, you know, it's very difficult to dislike someone who really appreciates you. And so what that does by changing yourself, that's what changes them. And you have a lot better chance of that person being that person you want them to be, uh, as opposed to if you went in there with a sour look on your face, expecting that person to be nasty and unhelpful. This is just human nature. Again, there's nothing magical about it. It just seems magical when you utilize it. Absolutely. And, and it takes, it feels like it takes the pressure off of yourself when you know that you are not trying to control the other person. You are only able to control yourself and right. how in the environment that you and create. The I just feel, yeah, exactly. I just feel like a weight off my shoulder. Mm -hmm. If, if I take that approach into a difficult conversation with someone knowing that, Hey, whatever the outcome is, I'm just going to put my best foot forward. And exactly. at the end of the conversation, 
that's all I can say. That's all you can do. And so attempting those difficult negotiations, difficult conversations, like you said, with the city, uh, walking into the city hall and negotiating with someone probably who doesn't, you know, even want you in the building or even want to negotiate. (laughs) You talk about having just one of the greatest skills you can have is having an authentic interest in the other person. And so I'm curious, sometimes it's hard to, Mm -hmm. to genuinely have that for some people. So if there's someone who has a hard time having empathy or relating to someone that they're negotiating with, when it comes to having an authentic interest, what should they do? So here's really what it comes down to is that you, you, I don't, when you say act as if it sounds phony, but it's really not. It's just taking the appropriate action. See, we've been taught, and I, I think this is so counterproductive. We've been taught that as human beings, we have to feel a certain way before we act a certain way. And I think it's just the opposite. In fact, it's been proven to be just the opposite, okay? If you're not feeling real, if you're feeling kind of sluggish and lazy, okay, if you wait until you feel energetic and up in order to start acting that way, you might be waiting a long time. So if you feel yourself sluggish and lazy and just not feeling, you know, straighten up, walk tall, walk fast, act with purpose, boom, you're going to start to feel that way. Again, so many people have taught that this is nothing new. Okay. But it's a, it's true. And all too many people still don't, don't understand this. So if you feel as though you just really don't have a, you know, an interest in this other person, just act as if have an interest in the other person, act in the way you would act. If you truly had an interest in that other person and an amazing thing will happen. If you allow yourself to, you will become interested in this person. And this person's going to respond to you in a way that they feel you're interested in. As that happens, you're going to get more interested in this person. So as you start to do this and get into the habit of this, because again, it's a learned skill. It's a habit like anything else. You're going to find yourself being able to do that constantly. Bob, it has been incredible. I think to sum up the go-giver mentality, it's clear that giving magnetizes you uh-huh. and the books that you've written okay. and the legacy that you're that you're ultimately creating and, and will leave behind is much more than just about giving and receiving it's about abundantly living with joy and love purpose and friendship so what do you hope that your legacy will be uh, I would like my legacy to be, and I, and I believe this is a, this is carrying on my dad's legacy. And that is that, that people will say of me that he, he made people feel genuinely good about themselves. That's powerful. And the beautiful thing about that is anyone listening can have that too. If they choose to take care of themselves, adopt the go-giver mindset of giving in order to ultimately help others. And so, Bob, again, an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I wish we could continue talking for hours because I know that we could. Is there any last words that you would like to share and how can people support you? Um, You know, as far as last words, I mean, I I think it's just really a matter of understanding that to the more you can, the more you can move from an I focus or me focus to an other focus, looking to, as Sam, one of the mentors and the go-giver advised Joe, the protege, make your win about the other person's win, you're going to see a lot more wins in your own life. And uh, people can connect with me if they'd like at Berg, B-U-R-G.com. I try to keep things simple and uh, scroll down and there's lots of, lots of goodies and resources for you to check out. 
All right. Fantastic. Well, I hope that you do follow Bob Berg wherever you can, whether it's on LinkedIn or online. And thanks so much for listening. Have an amazing day, everyone. Congratulations, you've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you, and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.